Money Show with Bruce Whitfield is brought to you by APSA CIB, bringing you unrivaled insights to propel your business in trade across Pan-Africa. APSA is a registered FSP. The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. Been a heck of a week. It certainly has in terms of investments in the value of the shares that you own in your pension fund, or you may have shares directly on the JSE. It all started this time last week with Silicon Valley Bank, and there was panic in the United States on Thursday and on Friday. Markets were calmed over the weekend by U.S. authorities who stepped in, did all the right things. Things seemed to be settled by about Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, Credit Suisse came, uh, was suddenly in the crosshairs of the global investing community. And, and she had terror and pandemonium and panic again. And things have calmed down there after the central bank in Switzerland has stepped in and uh, offered a lifeline to Credit Suisse, which shouldn't be too big to cause havoc in the world, but there's just so much nervousness about at the moment. Uh, Warren Ingram at Galileo Capital. Before we talk about other investment opportunities, how calm are you feeling about the state of investments, considering that today, for the year, we are in the red after being 13% up mid-January and feeling a little bit clever and a little bit bulletproof? Well, maybe we need to just talk about January then and then and, and, and how we feel now, because I, I feel January was, was sort of a, a collection of classic rookie errors by by global money managers, you, you, you know, we, we must remember we we live in a in a place that understands inflation, understands really volatile currencies and interest rates and all of that. But but if you're a money manager living in America or uh, the UK or Europe and and you're sort of 40, 45 years old, and you know you think you you understand this money business, the, the one thing is you haven't been managing money in a rising interest rate and r- rising inflation rate environment. They, they've actually only seen it happen to those pesky emerging markets far away from them, or they've seen it in their CFA textbooks. They haven't really seen it in the real world with real money. And so they're making the rookie mistakes we would have all made as money managers in our very early years of our careers and fascinating to watch because they they keep sort of forecasting the end of inflation as if inflation is a (laughs) switch that you just flick and all of a sudden, you know, it's over and we can carry on as if nothing ever happened. That's just simply not true. And, And for me, January was exactly that. It was just excess optimism about an inflation rate number that was fractionally better than everybody thought. And all of a sudden, they thought this was it. It was the beginning of of good times again. And and so fast forward to now, uh, certain things are starting to break because interest rates are rising. So we're seeing a couple of uh, regional banks in the US. And then uh, if I remember correctly, SVB is uh, sort of around the number 14 or 16 biggest bank in, in the US, but very specific, very particular kind of clientele, uh, very specific market conditions, why why SVP found themselves in, in, in trouble. Uh, and, and so, you know, there was this sort of potential for contagion. The American uh, government and, and Fed have done very well to p- put a lid on that. And, and Credit Suisse is, I almost want to say, a, a serial offender. It's a bit like the Greek government with their, with their bonds. You know, <laughs> Credit Suisse have been in trouble for quite some time. Uh, and and we shouldn't be surprised that they're still finding themselves in trouble, and and you know their central bank uh, you know sort of steps in now and says well we'll we'll give them the money that they need to get through this next batch, and and the reason why Credit Suisse particularly causes a, a lot more kind of flatters for a lot of people is 
it it really is a big global player. So uh, I saw a statement today from one of the very big South African company, fund managers that has a, a, a lot of its assets overseas. And, the, you know, they're, they're a custodian for their clients' assets is Credit Suisse. And they're putting out a note saying, Oof. please don't worry. Your assets don't mm. form part of Credit Suisse's balance sheet. We are monitoring, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the system is very interlinked. Uh, long answer to your short question. I'm I'm actually feeding a okay, Bruce. I think I think for us, you know, managing money in South Africa, uh, you know, and looking at the world and and saying, well, hang on, you know, we all manage money overseas as well nowadays. We actually understand this environment really well. We, we what we didn't understand was sort of 2008 to to let let's say 2020. We, we the world was sort of completely upside down for us you know and birds were flying inverted and you know the sky was green and the grass was blue now everything's back to normal and and you know i saw a tweet from from wayne mccurry who i yes. really think is kind of the, <laughs> the sage of joburg uh, and you know wayne saying listen you know this is a buying opportunity you will regret not buying shares now because it's very similar conditions to not not you know not the same movie but similar sort of movie to 2009 if you don't buy now you will regret it and and i i think you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm not nearly as smart as wayne and certainly not uh, not with his experience and i i think he's absolutely right so i'm calm uh, i think we um we we should really understand this environment very well south africans we, we look at what's going on overseas they don't understand volatility they don't understand uh you know kind of life and death we we, we just have to drive to work and, and home again and we understand life and death perfectly and, and so this is just not such a big issue for us and may, maybe i'm too calm but but i feel we've watched this movie many times before i, I think the, the the foreigners are are, are panicking so, so, some sometimes with a little bit of justification but actually they're giving us some quite nice opportunities to buy some some good assets all around the world including sa at great prices. You know, I'm, I'm, my eyes are lighting up and I wish I had a lot more kind of disposable capital lying around, uh, you know, to buy now. I think it's it's a good time to be a buyer. Wayne specifically, and here's the tweet, I read it earlier, but let's uh, re-read it. Buying opportunities, general mining, platinum, SA banks, don't panic and take money offshore. Rand is very undervalued and if history is any guide, will be stronger or strong over medium term. All of this is a cycle. At We are at the bottom now. Markets stroke rand down. Cycle will turn up relatively soon. And you feel comfortable with that um, as an assessment based on what we do know at this particular moment in time. Things can change, of course, on, on a ticky. So what are you thinking about where to put money? Um, because at one point you were thinking that global bonds were looking attractive. Do you still have that sort of frame of mind versus SA Inc.? Um, I, I, I don't think it's global bonds versus SA Inc. I, I think it's, um, I mean, it's, it, to me, it's about saying with your global money uh, for, for the last decade, you know, pretty much there was this phrase, which which was really cute, you know, return free risk. Uh, and you know, in other words, you, you buy you buy bonds overseas, and and all you're going to get is no growth and and a, a heck of a lot of risk. And for about eight years, that looked like a dumb, cute statement. And then all of a sudden, it looked like a really smart, cute statement because that's exactly what happened. Global bonds lost a lot of money because interest rates started to rise. So, so for a lot of money managers who've avoided, uh, you know, investing in global bonds altogether. Uh, I, I'm suggesting now that you know if you've only owned shares and maybe you, your your decision was I don't want to buy bonds, so I'm going to have shares and cash, uh, and you're sitting on too much cash overseas. I, I would suggest you reposition. I, I think you know it's nice that you can earn. I, I just looked at it before before we went on air, and it's about 4.66 percent a year 
to, to invest in in, a, in, a, in dollars for about three months. And that's a very nice return, you know, when the world is falling apart and it seems very attractive. But just understand inflation in the US is much more than that. And and so you're going backwards at a rapid rate by, by sitting in that kind of cash. And I think, uh, you know, it, um, bonds, we might see interest rates rise a little bit more in the US. But what we do know is the bulk of interest rate hikes have already happened, which means that those bond prices are are largely discounting, you know, whatever's going to happen. In other words, if there is another half a percent from here, fine. Uh, but but maybe it's a good time to kind of switch out of cash and uh, global cash and and go into bonds again in in and kind of that long term you know sixty percent shares forty percent bonds that that you know which is the kind of traditional good mix good balance portfolio I think it's alive again and probably will be a, a good place to be for the next decade I would hate to say. Uh, do that at the expense of SA Inc. I think it's okay. it's it's the one plus you know one and not one or. No, and this is the thing because I mean, and one of the reasons why the Silicon Valley Bank has went bust was because when money was free and cheap, um, they were they were buying they were putting money into long dated bonds, and suddenly deposit people were putting money in deposit with them. They were using that money to buy long dated bonds, and suddenly interest rates start going up. People saying, "Ooh, I'm not getting a great return from Silicon Valley Bank. I'm going to withdraw my cash and put it somewhere where I can make some money." 4.66 percent over three months, for example. So they start taking money out. Next thing, everybody's taking money out. They can't sell the bonds that they've got in their portfolios because um, they're there for the long term, and suddenly kapoof. It all goes pear-shaped, and that's dangerous, isn't it? I mean, it's it's it, it really is dangerous. But from our perspective here, Warren, um, Wayne in his tweet, and the bit you didn't mention but I did, is don't take money offshore right now. Um, the rand is at, uh, let's be precise on this one, Sorry, that's this the background music filling in while my app loads up. Uh, the dollar at 18.44, the pound at 22.33. And the euro at 1955, um, considerably weaker than a month ago, considerably weaker than this time last year. What's your view on exercising the strategy where you take advantage of the bargains Wayne points out, but also want to move some money into some of these global bonds because that's your money that you might want to make part of your global assets? I think you've got to. Um, I, I know you're sitting, so I'll, I'll. I know you won't fall off your chair when I tell you this. But, but uh, my view is the rand dollar exchange rate, the, the sort of fair price, you know, measuring the, you know, the Big Mac index version of this, the purchasing power parity, is still going to be somewhere around sixteen fifty to sort of seventeen rand to the dollar, and. I'm not sure when the rand gets back there. If it gets back there next week or next year, I don't know. Uh, and around twenty rand fifty to the pound. Uh, and, and so I think you know, just just be careful with with big currency moves from rands to to those two currencies. Now I think you you can afford to be patient, and you you can afford to to listen to people like Wayne who who are giving you very good pointers there. I think we've been saying the same on the show for quite some time now. Uh, and and just wait, the, the RAND will come back to you. Um, we just don't know exactly when. And 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 then looking at the JSE, just remember, you, you know, we're in a um, we're in a point where we, we've kind of got, you know, survival of the fittest, um, you know, alive and well at in our, in our stock markets. If you look at, you know, some of the businesses that have been reporting, I just think about the banks, you know, the, uh, last week, a lot of the banks were reporting uh, record profits. And, yeah. and you know, some of the companies are, are sitting on huge amounts of cash. They, they have 
outcompeted, outsurvived all of their competition, uh, are now incredibly fit, strong, uh, battle-tested management teams. Yes, the economy is a, a massive headwind for them. Yes, you know, no, no help from government, despite the pretty words they keep talking. Uh, but these are companies finding ways to make money. I know it's going to be a cliche in about another three weeks' time, but just look at what Bidvest did. You know, look at the results they got from from kind of you know being open and alive to opportunities. And I think. Lots of good South African companies are doing that. So it doesn't need, they don't need the economy to be growing really fast to make money. They, they, they've watched their competitors fall over, both listed and unlisted. And, and I think it's, it's a case of saying, don't just exit, you know, SA now. I think, uh, you know, the, the, the world will move away from developed markets again with a portion of their money when, when all these interest rate hikes are done. And they'll be looking for yield. They'll be looking for growth. You know, they've got massive problems all around Europe and the US. And, and you know, at some point, they're going to look at the emerging markets again, and we, we'll benefit from that. So I, I believe that JSE is really, you know, ridiculously cheap. And, and I certainly wouldn't be piling out of all of my, my money out of South Africa, despite what some of the talking heads keep saying. I, I think this is still re- represents a good investment opportunity. But I think it's a case of have some in SA, have some global. If you've got nothing overseas, Wait a while for for the rand to come back. If you can't wait a while, then then take some of the money and and spread it out every three months. You know, send some money out. You know, in in three month batches over the next nine or twelve months, uh, and and hopefully, you know, towards the end of this year, you, you know, your twelve month period, you you have got some better exchange rates than now. But but if you can afford to wait, uh, or you've already got some money overseas, uh, I think we'll be buying rands at much better, or sorry, dollars and pounds at much better exchange rates than we're seeing now. Lovely. Question from Anton for you this evening. I'm going to give you a moment to chew over this one, Warren. Uh, Anton is a trustee on the body corporate of a block of flats. Well done, Anton. It's a pain in the neck job, that, and you've put your hand up as a volunteer. We've been building up reserves for emergencies and are concerned we can't invest it optimally. If we invest in a fixed deposit, the interest rate from, say, Standard Bank is currently at about 8.63% after compounding for one year, 11.62% for five years. We don't plan to use the money in the short term, but may be forced to use it in an emergency. Critical point. I've seen reference to a penalty of at least 450 rand for early withdrawal, but not a definitive statement of how the penalty might be calculated do you have any recommendations as to how to invest this money for maximum growth while retaining access in case of emergency? It's a great question, Anton. That question answered by Warren, I hope, if he doesn't mysteriously lose his connection in a moment. The Money Show with Bruce Whitfield is brought to you by APSA CIB, bringing you unrivaled insights to propel your business in trade across Pan-Africa. APSA is a registered FSP. The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. Anton is a trustee of a block of flats. They've been building up reserves for an emergency. They want to invest the money to get a return on that. In other words, to grow the money they've got. They want to better access in an emergency. Where on earth do they put it? Warren, help. Emergency funds, um, you know, whether it's for an individual or a body corporate, the one thing you really can't do is lock it away in a fixed deposit. You know, uh, I mean, definitely not a five-year fixed deposit. Uh, and 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 I would be really uncomfortable even in a one-year fixed deposit, precisely because uh, it's an emergency, know, it an emergency. fund. <laughs> yeah, and and you don't know, and you don't want uh, you know then to be negotiating terms and conditions with the bank because they know you've got they've got you over a barrel. And believe it or not, they don't always do the best for you when you have an emergency. So, so I, I feel 
uh, I, I would look at a class of unit trusts called income funds. They're, they're, they're quite a big selection. I can't, I can't remember the number, but sort of 30 or 40 of them. And, and if you look at the, the returns that they, they're offering, just the average one is generating about 6.33%. That's the average. The best ones are are right up at that, that one-year number that uh, Anton quoted at about 85 or nearly, I think, nearly 8.7%. And, and then the worst ones are slightly lower than the, the, the 6% average. But but uh, the, the, the truth is... That, you know your your worst case is probably three or four days at you know absolutely worst to get that money out and no penalties you know no, no transaction fees uh, and and to me that's that's what an emergency fund should be it's, you know you, you earn a decent rate of interest you, you're happy to sacrifice a little bit of maximum growth because actually you just want to protect yourself as a form of self-insurance against you know having to borrow money at a really bad time when, when you know when the wheels are or in this case the geezer's fallen off or whatever it is uh, and and so you know anton I, I i would say don't lock the money away uh, if it's a large amount of money then then uh, you know potentially you could you could try and shop around for a slightly better yield with a portion of the money and lock that away in, in a one year but, uh, but but I would guess body corporates, you know, that they shouldn't be sitting on three or four no. years worth of expenses. They that you know they need to then uh, reduce their rates a little bit or levies to 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 members for a year or two. But but I, I would say you know for for a year or two's worth of expenses to sit in a in a income fund to me makes all the sense. Uh, and and then you know I wouldn't take risk. For example, one of the things you could have like, we could have talked about was a, a low risk balanced fund where you've got some exposure mm. to shares. But the last week has <laughs> yeah. taught us that that's not a really good idea for an emergency. So and I, the, I would the temptation now is, of course, well, Wayne said they're buying opportunities. So let's go and buy into that balanced fund now because it's down fifteen percent from where it was at the beginning, you know, uh, from its peak, and therefore the only way is up. Um, and does it matter which in which which income fund you buy? I mean, I'm, there's the SA income fund, the enhanced income fund. Uh, they, they, they come out with the fanciest names and things. And I, I just wonder whether it makes a fundamental difference where you go in terms of these these income funds. They're, they're kind of much of a muchness. Some will be, you know, percent, not even like fractions of a percentage point better than others. Yeah, I, th- I think that's very true for, especially for money market funds, Bruce, because that you know the sort of range of options that they can select for for their portfolio is very narrow. But but income funds can be a little bit wider, and and you correctly point out there are lots of. Uh, you, know, you know, unit trusts with the words income funds in their in their name. So, so I think it's really important that that when you look for these, uh, the 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 category and it's the ASISA category is you know um, it's MA income funds um, is is actually what you're looking for because it gives fund managers in that uh, in, in those unit trusts a little bit more flexibility to to kind of choose. You know, very short term in uh, in a money market instruments to slightly longer term, but w- without uh, very big risk, uh, and and there there is a little bit of disparity in returns. You know, let, let's just say sort of three or four percent between the, the the best and the worst. I, I tend to prefer the bigger funds where where they've got some critical mass. You know, they, they've learned how to control the costs of the funds because what you don't want to do is buy an income fund that costs you two percent a year because that's just going to destroy all of your 
of your potential inflation beating growth. So, so I think you're looking for very low cost income funds, uh, and and you know bigger ones are in this instance better. Uh, you know they 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 can uh, you know the bond markets and money markets are really big. So so size is not an impediment to performance for for an income fund. Might well be for a, for an equity fund. So so I think big, um, and and you know a decent track record and and definitely not. Uh, Last week or last year's number one, you know, you, you're kind of looking for, you know, the the, the the funds that are generally in the top, you know, 25% of performers over, you know, long yeah. periods of time. Talk, talk to me very briefly about tax, please, in terms of um, how the tax on this would work, particularly when it comes to not a personal uh, tax issue, but certainly the taxes of a body corporate. You can't be making too much money here, can you? I'm I'm actually completely ignorant what a body corporate would okay. be taxed. I no, don't that's know if fine. it's a company. Okay, but for you, okay, then for you and me, I mean, you know, any in, any interest we earn on our cash, we've got a tax-free amount, and then any amount over that, of course, is taxable as income. Correct. And and so, you know, these are nice interest rates to earn for a small portion of your money. You don't want to pay half of it away to 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 SARS. We we like SARS, but not that much. So so this is a great place for an emergency fund. Very limited role in your money. The rest, uh, listen to Wayne. There we go. Listen to Warren as well. This Warren and Buffett. I mean, they're both smart. Uh, Warren Ingram, thank you. He's the director at Galileo Capital. Bring us to exactly eight o'clock. Time for Eyewitness News.